know who they are. But thank you again uh, for coming and thank you to Desmond and the family for uh, giving me the privilege of being part of this service. Um, I guess we went back to 1999 in our minds and hearts when our, our f friendship first struck up. And I confess that um, even just a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to somebody uh, from uh, this area, my heart welled up thinking and remembering all the love that we've shared uh, together as God's people, uh, just the way it should be. So we're celebrating that love today. Now, on a day like today, we come to remember and recall the real Shirley. Of course, we know the real Shirley is not with us now, but she's with Jesus, which is far better. Um, I, I did sit next to an older lady at church once, and she said, people ask me if I lost my husband. She said, no, I know exactly where he is. <laughs> and that's the wonderful truth of the Christian faith, isn't it? Yeah. We know that leaving here is being somewhere better. We're also going to record God's faithfulness to Shirley and Desmond. And then we have some time to personally reflect. Because uh, each one of us is heading to the same destination. And many of us are sure of our uh, future destination, but we want to just be sure of that as we um, reflect together. So, let me start with prayer. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, we bow in your presence. We acknowledge you as our creator God. We acknowledge you as the one who knows all things. We acknowledge you as the one who never makes any mistakes. And we have come together today to give thanks for the long life that you've given to Shirley and uh, the long marriage that you've given to Shirley and Desmond together. And we want to thank you that you've promised to be here with us. We're not uh, trying to do things on our own strength. We're reaching out to you now, Almighty God, by your Spirit, to make your presence known amongst us. We thank you for the songs that we'll sing, the memories that we share, and especially for the scriptures, your word, which we're going to re read and reflect on together. And we pray, Lord God, that you would use this time together uh, to encourage uh, the family, all those who are sensing loss, but we also pray that you'll use it to speak to us. Lord, to stir us on in our walk with you, if we know you, and for anyone in this room who's not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus, that you will reveal your heart of love to them and draw them to yourself. Thank you, almighty God, for your great patience. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us again today this opportunity to fellowship together, but also to hear from you. So we say, Lord God, please speak we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And the first hymn that you'll see on your sheet is The King of Love, My Shepherd Is. And you probably remember this is uh, a, uh, a hymn which is based on the most famous psalm in the Bible, The Lord is My Shepherd. I don't know if you recall uh, that story. I don't know if it's a true story. A, a boy went to Sunday school and the teacher was trying to teach him these five, these five words and said, look, come on, 
pick your hand up and the Lord is, and this is the most important one, my shepherd. And lots of us can say that, can't we? The Lord is my shepherd. But this little boy, it was a winter time, went home and uh, walked home as they used to do in the old days. But it was a snowstorm and he never made it home. But they found this little boy in a hedgerow, huddled up, and you can guess, his hands were in this position. The Lord is my shepherd. The king of love, my shepherd is, this song says. He is mine forever. And look at the last list. So through all the length of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd, may I sing thy praise within thy house forever. Well, have surely sang this and prayed this. Her prayers come true. In the house of the Lord forever. Let's stand and sing the king of love, please. before I read Psalm 100, uh, personally, <clears throat> Shirley always welcomed me right from the word go. She always loved, and she always hugged me. And 
Oh, we, I remember the Kit Kats. <laughs> anyway, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gate with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thank you, Paul. And you'll notice that um, we have included the hymns for you to sing, but also the Bible readings, which means you can take this away afterwards and read again the Word of God and let it speak to you. And there again we have this theme, don't we, of, of Shirley's knowledge of the Lord. He, he made us and we are his. We are his people. What a privilege that is. I hope many of us share that with Shirley. Now this is my turn to read uh, a tribute from Desmond. And uh, very, uh, what can I say? Um, instructive, educational, informative. Lots of things in here I didn't know, and maybe you didn't either, but uh, Desmond has chosen to share uh, lots of these things with us. So, Shirley was born on the 25th of May, 1936, at Mount Pleasant Hospital in Crewkern. Her parents were Frederick James Moores and Edith May Moores. She had an elder sister, Doreen, who sadly passed away last month. And our thoughts and prayers are very much with her family. She also has a younger brother, Tony. Shirley's home life was loving and very heartwarming, where all the family lived and enjoyed life. Shirley was first educated at Crewkern Infant School, then Crewkern Primary School, and finally Crewkern Senior School, where she was appointed the head girl. Did you know that? Hands up if you knew that. She was a keen member of the Girl Guides for many years, and she really enjoyed camping working on a variety of tasks to learn skills and obtain many badges. In her mid-teens, she often befriended elderly neighbours, walking their dogs and doing their shopping. She was a keen photographer and developed her own photographs. With her sister, Doreen, she went along to the Sunday school at the Crewkern Gospel Hall. At the age of 14, she fully committed her life to the Lord Jesus, a step she never regretted. She willingly and enthusiastically served him in a variety of ways throughout her long and eventful life. When her mother saw the great change in her life, she realized the good news of the Lord Jesus was real, and she herself trusted him as her Savior too. Praise God. Shirley had several jobs before she was married. She began by working for Standard Telephone and Cables in Ilminster. Then, to enable her to move nearer to home, she worked for Van Hoosen in Crewkern. 
She returned to Standard Telephone and Cables after we met, and I had heard that the factory might be transferred to Paynton. I, that's Desmond, suggested it might be a good idea as a good position had opened up which well suited her. She applied for the job as laboratory assistant and was chosen and continued at this job until our first daughter, Catherine, was expected. Des says, I first met Shirley at work in June 1952, when early one morning she introduced herself to me, saying, I believe my father has spoken to your Bible class at Crewkern Gospel Hall the previous day. This was the start of a happy, loving relationship. She was 16 and I, Desmond, was 19. At that time, I was helping my father, who was holding an evangelistic tent mission in the village of Mosterton, near Crewkern, and offered to take her one evening. For the next two weeks, we welcomed folks arriving, uh, gave out hymn sheets, showed them their seats, Looking back now, it was a very successful mission and was the commencement of our Christian service together for the Lord Jesus. On that first evening, Shirley invited me to her home in Crewkern to meet the family. I was warmly welcomed and soon I was treated as a member of her family. Eventually, we were married at Ilminster Gospel Hall on Saturday, 23rd of March, 1957, and very soon moved to Paynton when our company provided us with a new home. God blessed us with two daughters, Catherine and Teresa, and what joy and happiness they, they and their families have brought us through the years. When the girls were a little older, Shirley taught shorthand at Paynton Secretarial College for 16 years and then went into nursing, firstly as a, at a nursing home, Grange Lee, and then in Paynton Hospital, caring for the elderly in the Fairweather Green Ward, a job she really loved. Shirley was very caring, unassuming, and fully devoted to the Lord Jesus and to her family. She treasured the love of her two sons-in-law, Paul Eaton and Paul Hurst. She so loved and enjoyed all her grandchildren, Laura, Joshua, Luke, and their partners, Steve, Anne-Marie, and Bella, also the youngest two, Cloda and Angus. She loved and was captivated by her great-grandchildren, Reuben, Niam, Kezia, being amused by how quickly they seemed to grow up and their inexhaustible energy. Shirley loved walking in the countryside and along the coast, identifying wildflowers in the hedgerow and meadows. She loved dogs and bred papillon. Hmm, I'd look that one up. <laughs> and entered these do into dog shows locally and further afield. Shirley loved poetry and often recited poems when I was preaching. <clears throat> at various churches or giving wildlife presentations. Shirley was such a support to me as we travelled and shared the love of Jesus. She greatly enjoyed gardening, especially at Poacher's Cottage in Stoke Gabriel, which was featured in Devon Life magazine. <laughs> and it was a good moment for us both. 
We attended Great Park's chapel for the very first time in September 1956. We were given such a warm welcome that when we eventually moved in 1957, we briefly decided to join the fellowship, and that was 66 years ago. Great Park's chapel has been our spiritual home, and we have loved serving here over the years, seeing many people coming to Christ. Church has been involved in children's meetings, the ladies' hour, Christianity explored, and many more church activities. She loved the fellowship dearly, and it has meant so much to her over the years. Des says, when I think of Shirley, she has been so loving, kind, and caring, a joy to be with, my best friend, sharing our lives together, serving the Lord Jesus. I will greatly miss her inner radiance. I saw in her glimpses of her Savior, the Lord Jesus, her Christ-likeness in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. She was very practical, uncomplicated, able to cope well with people and difficulties of everyday life. On occasion, when we were a little down, she would turn to 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It seems to make all the difference, as did our daily Bible reading and prayer times. I will miss her sound advice, quiet wisdom, helpful criticism, humour, laughter, smile, and all those times she encouraged, guided, and helped me in a variety of ways. Her trust in God was sincere. Her trust in God was sincere and unwavering. Even over the past five months in hospital and her stay in two nursing homes as a family, we are really proud of her. Her suffering is now over. Her joy is complete. And she is at home with her Lord. I thank her for the precious gift of two daughters for being an amazing wife, mother, and grandmother, and great-grandmother. We all love and respect her dearly, and will miss her so much. Thank you, Desmond. Sorry, I've got to that stage. Need the glasses. <laughs> Well, many things are going to be said today, but um, I just want to reflect on some things that I think have made me the person that I am today that I've got from mum. She personally was a mum that was always there for me. Um, when I was a small child, I was very ill. Some of you will remember that. And uh, she spent hours sitting on my bed so that if I woke up, she'd be there. Um, it wasn't until I had children of my own that I realised what that cost her in lack of sleep and just sheer worry, and so I'm very grateful for that. She definitely fueled my love of food and cooking. I remember hours of peeling runner beans and layering them with salts in jars that stacked in the cupboard so that we could have them till Christmas and quite often beyond my children themselves, we grew them in the garden, they had them more than about two or three weeks. They used to say, oh no, not again. So they didn't have that. We would boil huge preserving pans of jam and chutneys. 
And my favourite Saturday afternoon activity, which I still love today, was baking cakes and biscuits and breads and pies, and I can't believe we ate them all. Although she did enjoy her own company, our home was often host of various preachers, actually, who came to this church. She would get us to Sunday school. Then she would go to what they called the breaking of bread. Some of you will understand that. <laughs> the speaker then would quite often come back for a Sunday roast. We'd take him for a trip in the car. Never quite got that. Do you want a trip in the car? But there you go. Um, or a walk somewhere nice. And then back for tea. And then back to the evening service. And all of that before six o'clock. How did we fit it in? How did she fit it in? I certainly have inherited this. And I'm never happier than when I have a home full of well-fed happy guests. You've heard already she grew up in the countryside and she was always keen to point out all the flowers and the bugs and uh, give you their names and some peculiar names as well. And I do that, I'll try to do that with my children and grandchildren, well, my grandchildren now. She would whistle through glasses. You've all done it, haven't you, in your hands. We always had to do that. And uh, popping plantain heads so they flew into the air who could get them the highest. We spent hours doing that. I remember several years ago, I was given a rabbit, I'm sorry to say, to eat, complete with fur. I remember saying to her, how on earth do I prepare this? She said, oh, it's dead easy. You just take its fur off, just like a fur coat. Needless to say, I passed it to her to do that one. I remember her uncontrollable laughter, especially with her sister, Doreen. Once we managed to tip my sister out of her pram, going down a steep hill, she just sat there and she was helpless with laughter. I don't think Teresa was. <laughs> with my auntie Doreen and my man, I remember going to Newton Abbott and we had my granddad in a wheel, with granddad Moores. They managed to, between them, to tip him down, trying to get down the pavement, out into the road. But instead of helping him to get up, they were crying with laughter. I think everybody wondered what had happened. Funny enough, there's a bit of a theme emerging here, isn't there? She shared with me her love of craft, of knitting, and particularly sewing. I believe when she came, moved down here, she went to a sewing group and got the wrong one, and it was, um, it was tailoring. So it was very useful, very useful. And uh, she, she spent many patient hours with me teaching me these skills. And now I've been able to pass those on, but my daughter's far better than I am now. We made pom-pom caterpillars and chicks. And we just so many things like that we created at different times of the year that I will remember. By default, we ended up both working at uh, the Secretarial College, Painting Secretarial College, we've just heard. Um, she would teach shorthand, I would teach typing. And then, once again, we would prepare food. We used to make sandwiches for the lunch. We always worked together, catering extremely well, and it filled many happy hours. She was a second mum to my children, especially after Dave, my husband, died when they were very young, and having her close eye was an absolute blessing. While I will miss her, I will hold many happy memories that will live on, and I know she's now safe in the arms of a Lord Jesus Christ who she loved and served. And lastly, I will never look at a red poppy without seeing a beautiful poppy lady. She can creep from it. If you know that one, you know. <laughs> Teresa is my mum, and these are the words that she wrote for her mum. My mum, loyal, supportive, beavering away in the background, two steps behind, 
but always there. She supported my dad unfailingly, his trusty anchor who freed him to preach the gospel, to visit the sad and the sick, to give hospitality and support to those who needed it, to be the one to go to in times of crisis. That is how I imagine most people remember her. And I thought, what can I tell you about my tiny, quiet mum that maybe you don't know? Well, actually, that's not very difficult. There was so much more, but she wouldn't have dreamt of filling you in. Mum was the, wad, mod, mum was the modern woman way, more, way before the modern woman had been invented. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, whilst my friends' mums were baking cakes and knitting booties, my mum was out working. Full-time, no nanny, no after-school club, no cleaner, and no complaints. She taught Pittman script and English and had no form of training. In fact, no training at all. Her students did well, and it was also clear that she had their love and their respect. I knew all of their names as a child, as she became not just their teacher, but their supporter and their friend. Not bad going for a girl who left school at 14. In the 80s, eyebrows were raised because I rode, rode a motorbike, tarred our roof and got stuck into the house build. But mum had quietly done all of those things and more decades before. I have clear memories of her shifting piles of breeze blocks for our extension. And I recently found a photograph of her standing on our bathroom windowsill in Barton Avenue, high above the ground, precariously hanging on with one hand and painting the gutter with the other. She gave us all many things, and precious to me was the love of animals, which has been so much the part of the person I am. Breeding and showing papillon dogs was a joy for her, and we lived in a home full of furry and feathered friends of every type. Poor dad wasn't at all keen, but mum couldn't resist the pleas and the sob stories that ensured that our menagerie grew even bigger. Legions of rabbits, guinea pigs, mice, hamsters, gerbils, doves, pigeons, terrapins, and stick insects came to stay on a frighteningly regular basis. Some of them lived their entire lifespan with us, totally unbeknown to an unsuspecting dad, who would have previously firmly put his foot down. Mum loved and cared for them all, and was adept at covert operations to keep various residents undetected. During her childhood in Somerset, Mum acquired an immense knowledge of nature. No one even came close to knowing the names of the wild plants and flowers on the scale that she did. She passed all of this on to her children and grandchildren, a special gift which makes walking on the moors and in the countryside a special joy. All my adult life, I have thought of her as I walk in the countryside with my dogs. We all have. And this, I know, will be a wonderful way of keeping her with us in the years ahead on those lovely sunny afternoons 
walking when we miss her the most. The Garns lived in one of a pair of houses in a road otherwise entirely made up of bungalows. We were surrounded by substitute grannies and granddads. This was wonderful as we basked in the glory of being the only young ones for several streets and all the treats and attention that was bowed solely upon us. It wasn't that simple though. That wasn't the real story. We had this privilege because mum worked tirelessly, sometimes for years on end, caring for the many neighbours as they grew older with all of the troubles and illnesses that come with age. Later, when we moved to Stoke Gabriel, the same thing happened again. A mum was out and about, slipping naturally into the role of unintended carer, as people would somehow find her, somehow know that she would notice, would help, and would care. Mum, I will miss you, your fortitude and your strength. I will miss hearing you yelling, Desmond, as you put Dad straight and pull him into line for the zillionth time. I'll miss your laughter as you hear about the latest embarrassing disaster to beset the Hursts. You've always loved those. And I'll miss your enthusiastic and truly brilliant impression of Keith Harris, Dippy the Dinosaur. You were self-deprecating, unpretentious and modest, but you really shouldn't have been. The last day we spent together, Mum, waiting patiently into the night for your Lord to take you home. <coughs> your grace, your courage and beauty shone through. That was exactly you, exactly my mum. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Uh, we all come across special people in our lives, and I think as you've heard throughout the last few minutes, um, fewer as special as Grandma. And I think um, it can be really rare to have such a close relationship with your grandparents, and for um, us, we've had both Grandma. Um, and Granddad throughout our lives. You've heard lots about Grandma's... Uh, wonderful and varied life this afternoon um, but I want to share with you on behalf of me and my sister Laura and, bro and brother Luke some special memories that we've got. We'll always remember grandma for having squishy thumbs and she'd always put duck shape soap in the bathroom. She'd feed us biscuits that she said were dead flies. I think it took us years to realise they were actually raisins. She'd always serve us a little can of lemonade and she'd always put a teaspoon of sugar in. Um, I think it made it less fizzy. I don't really know why, but she always did that for us. Um, she would always collect uh, the crumbs from a bread loaf with a big lump of butter and, and roll them around in the crumbs. And it's something we all, I think, still do today. Um, as you've heard, she knew everything about flowers and wildlife, and she taught us so much. Um, we'd go on walks, and, and she said she'd name everything. And as mum said, she'd make these incredible ladies out of poppies. If you've never seen them, they're unbelievable. 
Um, she always had fun rhymes and poems that we'd sing on the way to school. Um, and she had some great wartime stories about rationing and some strange food combinations. Um, personal favourite is sausage curry, which sounds weird, but if you haven't tried it, you should. But most of all, uh, Grandma taught us to be good, kind and caring people. She lived a happy life. She was content with her life that the Lord Jesus had given her. I think it's a challenge for us all that if we have love, family and friendship, then we're on the right path. Grandma lived her life with faith in Christ at the centre. She prayed for all of us continually and she told us that. She had a positive outlook on life and she always turned her gaze to Jesus. Grandma will miss you, but thank you for the memories. When Judah, my sister, and I started thinking about, thinking back about what really stuck in the minds about Grandma, we immediately thought the school shows. She faithfully turned up for all of them. Concerts, carol services, end of term plays, award evenings, the lot. She was there, cheering us on proudly, and often, I will admit, there wasn't so much to be proud about, but it mattered to her. We loved it, but as anyone from Great Parks knows, Grandma and Grandad like to be early, very early, and we have, we have enduring memories about them arriving for our afternoon events. As we were being let out of our school playground for our lunch, there'd be Grandma waving through the fruits. Sometimes she was hours early, sandwiches and flask in hand, sweets at the ready, but she was on time and she was not going to miss it. Now that is dedication. Being picked up from school was equally as entertaining for us, and we loved it when Grandma and Grandma came to get us. It was always the same, and we couldn't wait for the fun to begin. Grandad would pull away the car in sports mode, and we would hurdle through the lanes, hanging onto our seats. This was excitement enough, but by far the best bit was Grandma yelling, Desmond, stop that, we've got children in the car. <laughs> Oddly, we always seemed to slow down after that, and there never was, never was much doubt about who was in charge. <laughs> Grandma was a little lady, but she was always on a constant mission to make sure the rest of us weren't. Her meals were wonderful, and she was always at the ready. You couldn't so much as put your head around the door without the risk of being fed to an inch within your life. We've shared so many wonderful picnics with Grandma and Grandad. Without fail, and our cousins will know, they featured tuck biscuits sandwiched with primula cheese. And we'll have to keep this one going, I think. She had a way of making every picnic special, teaching us how to make musical instruments out of grass and rabbit heads out of wildflowers. Daniel picking mulberries in Stoke Gabriel Orchard picnic was the favorite and we never missed a year. Last summer, as grandma had to spend more time outside, I picked our mulberries alone, but she was back at home waiting to inspect them and we had a, little picnic, we had a little picnic of sorts indoors. We'll be there next summer, Grandma, and we'll pick our mulberries and think of you. Spending time in Stoke Gabriel with Grandma was wonderful. When we were young, Luke, Cloda, and I loved walking to the sweet shop because Grandma would turn us all into trains and use double yellow lines as our train tracks. She never minded looking silly and was always fun of laughter, full of laughter. On one occasion, whilst we were walking through the orchard, I looked up and a large Bramley apple dropped from the tree. I must have been talking, yes, I know, because it landed straight in my open mouth and became firmly wedged between my teeth. 
I was rather hoping that Grandma would rescue me from my dilemma, but she couldn't because she was helpless with laughter. <laughs> that is how we remember our Grandma, laughing, just full of laughter. One of our favourite times of the year was her fire at night. She loved those evenings, and so did we. She was brave on those nights. Dad's firework safety wasn't the best, and there were quite a few hairy moments over the years. As the rest of us ducked over for cover, Grandma was out front, quite unconcerned and loving it all. Afterwards, Grandma always insisted on taking the dodgy seat in the middle of the sofa where the, cush where the cushions meet. Every time it was the same, we'd watch our little Grandma slowly disappear <laughs> down the gap as if she was being eaten by the sofa. But she never complained about it, and in fact, we don't recall ever complaining about anything other than Grandad's driving, <laughs> as we've already mentioned. Thank you, Grandma, for all the fun and all the laughter and making us all feel special, for making us feel loved, and we will miss you. We will hold on to you in our hearts forever.
Thank you, Laura and Joshua. That item was uh, missed off the print, so some of you are looking rather puzzled, I think, at that point. Uh, thank you so much. And what a wonderful song to remind us of, God's amazing grace. I love that adjective, don't you? God's grace is amazing, and we love to sing about it. And also his knowledge is amazing, and that's what we're going to sing about next. God holds the key to all unknown, and I am glad. If other hands should hold the key, or if he treated it to me, I might be sad. And then the last verse says, Enough, this covers all my wants, and so I rest. For what I cannot see, he can see. And in his care I saved, shall be forever blessed. Let's stand after the introduction, please. taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 to 18. 
Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in them. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud <coughs> command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you, Paul. How do you spell the word no? Well, I guess my grandson probably would say N-O. And if you take that little word no, it can give you an introduction to this little Bible passage. Because here Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed and we don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. So, taking that little word, no, no Jesus, no hope. That's a fact. I was speaking to somebody just the other day whose wife is quite unwell. And he said everything for her is black. She cannot see anything. In the future, all she can do is look back to regrets. No hope. What a desperate, desperate place to be. However, Paul does acknowledge that we do grieve. And so for those of the family who, who feel the tears welling up, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean a lack of faith. It doesn't mean a lack of confidence. There's real grief, but it's not grief without Hope. I just want to give you three little things to think about uh, that I read in this passage. And the first is the present reality of separation. The present reality of separation. That's what makes us cry. We miss somebody so much. We wish we could hear their voice or hold their hand or just be with them. But Paul says here, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, as he put it. And what we need to do is recognize that Paul is not saying that the soul goes to sleep. The idea of sleeping connected with death is a metaphor, because it's temporary. So Shirley is not asleep, she is with Christ. You've got it at the front of your headings, and there are verses in the Bible that remind us of that. I'm going to read three of them quickly to you. You know the first place where this appears? 
at that cross of decision. We're coming up to Easter, aren't we? The central cross was the Lord Jesus. And on this side was a skeptic who said, Jesus, if you are who you say, come down from the cross and say, this man says, we know we've been wrong. We deserve to be here. Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. What did Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. With me in paradise. So where is Shirley? With Christ. And there's another verse. There are three of them. I'll just give you the second one here, which is in 1 Corinthians 5. And Paul says this, We're confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And he says this, I say, I, we are confident, I say, would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. And then one other reference. Say so same thing, just underlying this fact. This is not about sleeping. This is about surely leaving us, leaving her body, going to be with Jesus. And this is in Philippians. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I'm torn between the one. I desire to be with Christ, which is better by far. So there is that reality of separation. And those of us who know Jesus know that that does something that we have to face. But truly is Christ. Uh, my mum was uh, uh, seriously ill for several years before she died. And uh, she knew exactly where she was going to be buried. But she said to me, John, I don't want you going moping there. Because I won't be there with Christ. The reality of separation. And then the second thing that we read in this passage is the resurrection of saints. The resurrection of saints. He says it down here. He says, The Lord will come down from heaven with a command, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The resurrection... That resurrection, of course, is based on the fact that we know the Lord Jesus rose from death. That's probably the second most important thing about this weekend. We need to know that the Lord Jesus died. We need to know why he died, don't we? Acknowledge that he died for us, but also we need to know that he was raised to life. And, of course, he appeared to his disciples, but in his resurrected body. Because although he bore the scars, he was able to enter that room that was locked and spend time with his disciples. And that's the reality of the resurrection. Again, the New Testament describes the resurrection in different ways. It speaks about the spirit being reclothed, about the mortal putting on immortality, the perishable putting on the imperishable. So that's our hope. That's our, where we place our future hope. Yes, we face the reality of separation, but we have the future resurrection of saints, of all the saints. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. I don't know if you remember that song, Away Far Beyond Jordan. If you get there before I do, look out for me, because I'm coming too. And that leads us on to the third point. There's the reality of separation. 
There's the resurrection of the saints. But there's the final reunion with our Saviour. The final reunion. This is what we read. And you can read this at home again. And if you're not sure whether this is true or it means anything to you, please, please speak to someone, a member of the family or somebody you know who comes to a Bible-believing church. This is what he says. After that, we are still alive. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. The Lord himself calls those who love Jesus to be together. When the Lord Jesus came into that room, he was recognized, wasn't he? And I believe in our resurrected bodies, in our, we will recognize one another. This is where faith gives way to sight, isn't it? Shirley and Dan have been believing and trusting Jesus the whole of their lives, now experiencing this separation. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, they're looking forward to that resurrection time too, and to that ultimate reunion. So... Yes, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. I want to read two lines, two verses from a hymn. Some of you know this song. It says, there is a hope. There is a hope that lifts my weary head, a consolation strong against despair, that when the world has plunged me in its deepest pit, I find the Savior there. Through present sufferings, Futures fear whispers courage in my ear, for I am safe in everlasting arms, and they will lead me home. There is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave. Get that? There is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I behold his face. When sufferings cease and sorrows die and every longing satisfied, then joy unspeakable will flood my soul for I am truly home. N.O. Jesus N-O, hope. There's another way of spelling no, isn't there? K-N-O-W. Know Jesus. We know hope. All because of him. Through the separation, we look forward to that resurrection and that great reunion. By the grace of God. Not because of what he's done, we have done but all because of what Jesus has done. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross, taking our sin and shame. Thank you, Father God, for raising Jesus and accepting his sacrifice on our behalf. And please, once again today, fill us with hope, expectation, anticipation of your return and our grand reunion. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is a poem called Broken Chain.
We little knew that morning that God was going to call your name. In life we loved you dearly, in death we do the same. It broke our hearts to lose you, you did not go alone, for part of us went with you, the day God called you home. You left our peaceful memories, your love is still our guide. And though we cannot see you, you are always at our side. Our family chain is broken and nothing seems the same. But as God calls us one by one, the chain will link again. Thank you so much. We're going to sing our final hymn, and uh, you'll notice that uh, the family have invited you to stay and join in with refreshments afterwards. But let's stand and sing, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song.
Lord God, thank you for our wonderful Savior. Thank you for your amazing grace that changes lives. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace that brought Shirley and Desmond together all those years ago. Thank you, Father God, for your great faithfulness to your children. Thank you for your calling on our lives to serve you and your enabling grace. But thank you that there is a greater destination. Thank you, Lord God, for those of us in this room who who live for that prospect of one day being with our precious Savior. So we ask, Lord, for your special help for Desmond and the whole family at this time of separation. We thank you, Lord, for this weekend when we will be celebrating resurrection. And we do genuinely, Lord, look forward to that great reunion. Now, to him who is able to keep you us from falling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore Amen, Amen.